You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Guys, it's so cool being here tonight because we get to wrap up this series, but also, like, who's going to camp? Yeah, I'm pretty excited for camp. Jaron, that was scary, dude. So we've been in this series. Whoa, cool. I made a cool sound. Um, We've been in this series, a two-week series on Habakkuk. That's how it's pronounced, I'm pretty sure. Um, And Claire started us off last week with chapter one, and this week we're gonna go through chapters two and three. But there's two things I really like about this series, two really specific things. One is that it's Old Testament. And for me, I didn't really do anything Old Testament until I like got into college. So it's really cool that we're doing that for you guys high school because um, I just think it's an important thing. But also two, the name of this series is so cool to me because all I can think of is God, where are you? And so if you don't get that because you're a high schooler, ask your leaders. Um, But it gets me every time. So last week, Claire showed us that Habakkuk is kind of talking about when we have complaints in our suffering and how we bring those to God. And then we kind of ended with waiting on the Lord, right? So how does one wait on the Lord? What does that even mean? Um, And so that's what we're gonna kind of go through tonight. You know, I see that Habakkuk 1 almost reveals to us what we should do after we identify what we are struggling with in our suffering. That's the what. And so the what is that we must wait on the Lord and his timing. But I think I see chapters two and three is more like the how to do it. And so chapter two is gonna show us how to prepare ourselves for waiting on the Lord. And chapter three is then gonna show us what to do about it. And so right off the bat in chapter two, we're gonna start off looking at two disciplines we need to equip ourselves with to wait on the Lord. But I think the best way to do this is to show an example first. So can I get two volunteers for a game? Wow, you guys look really excited with all three hands in the air. Aiden, come here. Yeah, that's one of my freshman boys. Give it up for Aiden. Wow, there's like two of you that want to play. Pick one of who? Oh, I already got, we already, we already got it up here. We already got it. All right, all right. So, you guys, everyone who didn't raise their hand, it's a bummer because the winner of this game is getting a donut. Yeah, you guys all thought that this was just gonna be like, oh, some cool little example on stage. No, this is a donut. Oh, it's, it's sprinkles. And it's a fresh donut, guys. It's not from this morning. It's from like an hour ago. All right, so we're gonna do this game. And I only have two rules because this is a really small table. Maybe one rule, I don't even know. You're gonna take these Jenga blocks, okay? Yours are in here. All you have to do is be the first one to build a Jenga tower. That's it, that's it. So the rule I have here is this is a really small table, so maybe don't knock each other's tower over, yeah? So, that's all we're gonna do. Cole, why don't you go ahead and get started? Go ahead, 
Just go ahead, build a tower right there. You can put it on the iPad, but I don't know why you would. There you go, perfect. Okay, before you get started, I wanna talk about some strategy on how to do this well, okay? A lot of people would say to build this tower well, you should not put one of your hands behind your back, okay? Most people would agree with that. I am one of those people, you should not do that. That won't help you. So before you get started, before, stop, stop. Before you get started, before you get started, you should do this as quickly as possible. Like you should not go slow. You should move as quickly as possible. When I say start, when I say start, when I say start, he's, he, don't, don't worry about him, don't worry about him. So repeat it back to me, what's the strategy here? Okay, not one hand behind your back. Okay, that's the strategy. What did I say? Quickly, quickly, good. Okay, what's the other one I said? Don't go, yeah, that would be the same as quickly, quickly. Don't use one hand. See, this is, okay, go ahead and get started. And Cole wins. Cole, you get this chocolate sprinkled donut. Actually? Actually, it's yours. You can eat it, oh, thanks, whenever you want. Uh, and yeah, right now is great. Uh, you could be distracted during my sermon. That's totally cool. Um, and Aiden, uh, you get nothing. So I'll see you. I'll see you in small group. <laughs> All right. So we can, we give it up for Cole and Aiden. All right. So the point I'm trying to make with that is life can be really difficult when we're stuck waiting right? Especially if we're watching someone else succeeding. And so the first thing that Habakkuk is teaching us to equip ourselves with is patience, right? So there are times in our lives where we're waiting, and there's times in our lives where we have momentum. And both of these times are acceptable things in our life. And the biggest killer of patience is to start comparing your time of waiting to someone else's time of momentum, See, you don't know if they've been waiting for a while. You don't know if they've been preparing to move forward. Um, so it's hard to compare and not feel bad about it. So Habakkuk 2.3 says this, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. So maybe you've been waiting for something for a long time. And maybe God is promising you something and he's saying it's on its way, but that doesn't make it easier to wait. But God has things in store for us that are already written into our lives, even if we don't know when it's happening. He also tells us that it might feel slow. If we continue on with that verse, it says, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. So even though it's moving slow, it's not moving slower than it should be. It's still on time. It's just slow movement. So God is showing us here that it is a requirement for us to have patience in these things. And most of the rest of chapter two is showing us wisdom that God is revealing to Habakkuk. And it's very important to his journey that he's waiting on God and it reinforces the next thing we need to equip ourselves with. But I wanna zoom in on some of the things that are in God's answer to Habakkuk at the end of the chapter. 2, 18 through 20 reveals to us that we also need to equip ourselves with perspective. 
and understanding to figure out accurately who God is and why he is in control, even in our waiting. So it says this, verse 18, of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. You see, this perspective is given to show us that God is alive and that he is able to see the outcomes of what we're waiting for, the things that we want. Compared to those idols and false objects that people put their trust in that won't deliver. So we need to equip ourselves with a perspective to be able to see the direction God wants to go or wants us to go and help us learn the answers to our complaints. And you see, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I have a complaint, I almost never complain about things that are going the way I want them to go, right? When you have a complaint, you're usually up against whatever you're complaining to. So if we have a complaint with God, or anyone for that matter, we are at our core disagreeing with whoever or whatever we're complaining against. So when we have a God-centered perspective, we can see that our complaints are usually the incorrect thoughts. And Tim Keller puts it this way, God gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. Think about that. If we just knew the things that God knows, we would probably be asking for the things he's already giving us. So having perspective teaches us that we can't see where God wants to take us without first looking at him. And here's what I mean by that. I feel like all of you guys have been in this situation and I feel like I've been in this situation way too many times in my life. You ever been walking with a friend or driving or whatever and you see something really cool and you're just like, hey man, look at that, that's really cool. And they're standing next to you going, I don't see it. What is it? Dude, over there, over there, look at it. I don't see it, man. I don't know what you're pointing at. I want to see it, but I don't. And you're just sitting there going, look at me, look where I'm pointing, then look at the thing. And I feel like we do that with God all the time. Some of you guys in here may know some of my story that my mom passed away from cancer about six years ago. And some of you guys may know one of our leaders, Caitlin King, and her dad's story of cancer. So I was there recently when we prayed over Caitlin's dad, John, and we prayed for his healing and we even anointed him with oil. They do that in the Bible when you pray for healing. A lot of times there's cases of anointing someone with oil and he's doing well. He's got a long journey ahead of him, but the last surgery he went through, he was told that the cancer had been fully removed, which is amazing. However, I'm a human. And maybe some of you guys will resonate with this, but I also prayed over my mom. We also anointed her with oil. So why did God not save her? Why save him and not her? If Habakkuk has a complaint about his suffering, I have one too. And while I'm sitting here complaining that someone else got what I wanted, just like that game we were playing earlier up here, comparing myself to another person, God is just begging me to turn around and look at him while he's pointing, while I'm facing that way, looking at whatever I'm looking at. He's jumping up and down and saying, Kyle, look over here. 
I'm doing great things and you're focused on the answer you wanted and didn't get. You see, he's sitting there saying, stop focusing on the answer that you want and start looking at the waiting you need. So when I asked Caitlin if I could share this, this was her response. It's funny because that's part of it, right? God is using our struggles and our stories to help other people. I can complain all I want, but the bigger picture is God's story, not mine. And I have to let it play out for his kingdom and glory. I believe that chapter two of Habakkuk is Habakkuk's journey of learning this perspective. That sometimes we focus so hard on the things we want that we're not sitting in the waiting we need to understand where God is taking us. This is where he is learning what he needs to equip himself to be able to uh, wait on the Lord properly. And it's where we enter chapter three. You see, we start to see that Habakkuk is letting go of his complaint. He's not happy with where it is. He's not settled with the answer, but he's starting to let it go. He's gonna show us here that there are two actions we need to take to wait on the Lord. Chapter three is gonna show us that he does the first action and is going to position himself, okay? So once we get our perspective and once we uh, gather our patience, we can move into position. In verse two, he says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Habakkuk acknowledges that he has a new perspective and is now ready to move in alignment with God. Once we turn around and look at where God is pointing, we can move from here to start positioning ourselves to where he's pointing. And then we can move forward. So he's gonna show us three practical ways on how to position ourselves to um, wait on the Lord properly. He's gonna show us to repeat, remember, and rejoice. Verse two continues, and Habakkuk is asking God to repeat his glory so that we can constantly have opportunities to see that God is near. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. You see, the end of verse two all the way to verse 15 is a bunch of verses about how Habakkuk is looking at what God has done. He's simply reciting back the things he knows about God to remind himself what it is that God does for his people. He's remembering the goodness of God. And then we finally get to chapter three, verses 16 through 18. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my savior. You see, Habakkuk is exclaiming that he is thankful for the righteousness that God provides us. Even in difficulties of life, rejoicing allows us to share in the joy the Lord has for his plan and his people. The three things that we've gone over tonight so far, we got patience, perspective, 
positioning. Of those three things, they're all super important, but they will fall away if we cannot get this last one right. The last thing that we have to do to wait on the Lord properly is we need to posture ourselves. And what I mean by that is this. We need to put God in the right position in our lives. So we can position ourselves, right? That's moving left and right on the playing field to make sure we know what to do and have the best advantage to get things done. But what we need to do as well is posture ourselves. We need to remember who God is in this situation. If we don't get that right and connect with God, it's gonna be for nothing. Habakkuk does this in verse 19. He chooses his last words of his prayer. The last thing we hear from him is this. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You see, he postures himself humbly at God's feet, awaiting whatever outcome God has for his complaint. We don't really know the answer that Habakkuk gets. We don't really know how long he waited. We're not really sure if he's even happy with the outcome. But we get to see the importance of waiting on God because long after Habakkuk dies, long after this complaint comes and goes, God reveals his intent. You see, God sends his son to earth as a baby and that baby grows up and lives a sinless life to die on the cross and pay the price of the sins of our lives, to resurrect three days later and demonstrate his power over death. And all of that was for you. When we posture ourselves to see what God has done for us and when we realize the weight of his death and forgiveness, it should prompt us to let go of those things that aren't of God. Those complaints that we have where we're not perspective, our perspective's incorrect and we're not focused on the right things, it should prompt us to let go of those. See, Habakkuk doesn't just show us to wait on the Lord, but he demonstrates surrender of his whole life. And last week, Claire mentioned that sometimes when we sin, it's like dumping a bucket of Legos all over the floor. And sometimes people step on those Legos and get hurt by the sin of themselves and others. But Habakkuk shows us that we can let go and surrender that sin to God. And here's the crazy part. God's ready to take all of it. He's ready to forgive us faster than we can forgive those who hurt us and faster than we can forgive ourselves. This weekend, we're going up to camp. And I know it's gonna be a, a lot of fun. I'm way excited for this camp. But I also wanna give you an option to take one of the best feelings in the world home with you from camp. What if this was the year you got up the mountain and you truly let go of that one thing that follows you? That fear you can't escape, that addiction that binds you, that anger you just can't let go of. That one thing that for years has followed you and you are fed up and done with it. What if you went up to Thousand Pines with that one thing and left it there forever? And then next year we go to camp and you can say to yourself, that spot right there, one year ago, I decided to stop doing drugs. I decided that pornography would no longer have a hold over my life. I decided that the shame I feel for the abuse committed against me is gone. HSM, even if you aren't going to camp, what if this year, 2024, is the last year you ever dealt with that thing? Can you imagine that? And Jesus is right there, right in front of us saying, let me take that away from you. Just let it go. Tonight, I don't wanna challenge you guys to let it go. That's not what tonight's gonna be about. 
If you're ready to do that, cool, go for it. That is exciting and it's awesome. But tonight what I want you to do is this. I want you to find that one thing. The thing that is impossible for you to let go of by yourself. And maybe you need to share that with a leader tonight. But no matter what, find that thing. Then let's spend the next few days before camp, like Habakkuk did, and gather our patience and find perspective. Then whether you're going to camp or not, this weekend, let's position and posture ourselves in a way where we can finally let go of the things we're clutching to. We're gonna go into one final song of worship. And during this time, maybe you don't need to sing along. Maybe you just need to find some space on your own and start identifying what you want to hand over.